Amen. Amen. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. And uh, we are going to dive into God's Word together today. And if you have a Bible and you want to use your copy, you can go to Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6. Luke chapter 11, Matthew chapter 6. If you have not been with us in service for the last uh, several weeks, several months really, we've been in a series called The Life You've Always Wanted. It's based on a book by John Ortberg called The Life You've Always Wanted. And it's a book about spiritual disciplines. And in the beginning of the book, what he does is he, he outlines this life that God has made available to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus and how we should live uh, because of that. Our lives should be different. We should not live lives where we're just holding on until the rapture or holding on until Jesus comes. But for many of us, that's kind of the Bible we were taught. That's kind of the Christianity we were taught where things are just going to get worse and worse and then we're all going to be out of here and then all hell is going to break loose. And that's not really the full story that God has written to us. And he, John kind of outlines a little bit of what it is to live from the kingdom mindset, to live as if we could make a difference. We can bring heaven to earth by how we live. And the spiritual disciplines are how we help ourselves to access that or live in that mindset. And we, we talked in the month of November about the practice of celebration, the month of December, the practice of slowing. And then last week we started the practice of prayer, the practice of prayer. And over the next several weeks, I'm going to do a several part, I don't even know how many parts, um, sermon on what I've entitled, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And of all of the spiritual disciplines, prayer is probably the one that most Christians say we, we should do more, and yet we don't do more. Or we talk about how much we believe in the power of prayer, but if we actually looked at our lives over a week and how much time we actually spent praying versus how much time we spent doing like complaining or other forms of mouth gestures, <laughs> let's just say it that way, I don't know how else to say it, um, it would pale in comparison. And a lot of the times, I, I don't want this to come across in a, in a heavy way, but um, a lot of the times, the, the negative feeling that we're carrying around is because we don't pray. We don't cry out to our Father. I mean, we, we talk about it, all of the, the yuck that's going on in our lives on Facebook or social media or Instagram, or we talk about it with our coworkers or we rant about it to people in our lives, but we don't cry out to our Father. And so literally, um, one of the nights during House of Prayer this week, I saw the picture again. I don't know why God speaks the way he, he does. Um, he speaks our language, but he, I, I see this picture often. Um, the Spider-Man movie, the black one, where, I mean, I don't even know Marvel Comics well enough to, to do this, and so my daughter t later on will probably tell me where I got it wrong, but you know the one where that little blob attaches to Spider-Man and he turns all black and he's like mean and critical and blah. Um, that's us. We don't even recognize how much blah is attached to us. And if we would just cry out to God and just, uh, I mean, it's not that he doesn't want us to cry out about the, the junk in our lives, but he wants us to cry out to him, not to like everybody else in our world. And 
it gets on us so much. And this idea of prayer then becomes like, oh, yeah, I know I should pray more. We don't understand prayer. I mean, prayer should be like, I need to get to my father. Oh, I need to go to my father. I need to go to my father. I mean, prayer should be a good thing. And I, I was blessed to grow up with a good father. And I know that many of you, whether here in the room or watching online, maybe you didn't have that. Maybe you didn't have a father that was present. Maybe your father passed away early. Um, but I just know that when I was in trouble, if I would call, my dad would help. I mean, there may be a punishment later for some of the stuff I, I had done, but he would always be there to get me out of the mess I'm in, and then we would deal with the mess at a later time. Now, I'm the youngest in the family, so my sisters would probably tell you that, my older sisters, that th I didn't actually ever get that punishment, but there were times. I mean, I would just say I didn't do as much wrong as they did, but, uh, you know, we just go back and forth. But when you cry out to your father, he, he's, he's present. And in Luke chapter 11, in Luke chapter 11, just verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And I love that because where he was just doesn't matter. This is something Jesus did often. Mark tells us it. Jesus often withdrew to places to pray. And sometimes he did it alone. And apparently, sometimes he prayed within earshot of the disciples, okay? Because when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, what I want us to understand is that prayer for these disciples, they're, they're, they're Jewish, they're Israelites, okay? They, they have grown up as the people of God. They know how to pray. Okay, so this isn't just like Jesus picked up 12 guys off the street who had never heard about God or the Bible or anything, and he's bringing them along, and they're like, hey, teach us how to pray. Um, that would be true, too, but these people, they know God. They know how to pray. pray. Prayer is a regular part of their lives. You know, we read in Acts chapter 4, I believe it is, where Peter and John were on their way to pray, and the Bible says it was at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and we're like, oh, that's interesting to know but that was the time of prayer like they were on their way to pray because that's the time of prayer for the jew like there's several times that you stop wherever you are or if you're close in close proximity to the temple you go there to pray you you stop and pray so prayer what it, but there's something about jesus they're seeing something they're hearing something and it's out of the routine it's out of the norm it's like there's something you're in touch with that you need to teach us. We need to learn how to pray like you're praying. And so they ask him to teach. And that would have been a very common thing. Jesus was their rabbi. He was their teacher. And the disciples are putting themselves in this position where they're like, hey, we, we know that you're in touch with the Father in a way, and we need to learn how to pray. And for all of us in this room, for all of us who are followers of Christ Jesus, we will never get prayer mastered. Period. I mean, it's not something to be mastered. It's actually, we're always going to learn. We're going to grow. And we're going to learn from one another. And we'll get there in a minute. But I want to read the prayer that we commonly refer to as the Lord's Prayer, but it really wasn't His prayer. It was His teaching of the disciples how to pray. So it's really the disciples' prayer. And I want to read it from Matthew's version. 
because Matthew is a little bit fuller, uses more language than Luke's version of it. Um, pretty similar in, in their writing, but I like Matthew's version better. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then some versions will put this in and some will footnote it and say that some manuscripts have it and some don't. It ends, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That word amen just means so be it. Um, so be it. In fact, we'll talk about that a little bit long more when we go on. Um, Luke's version doesn't have the word amen, and actually most manuscripts of Matthew don't even include it. Uh, we have kind of put it in our translations, and we kind of say it at the end of our prayers. Um, it's just kind of that phrase. I think of the Apostle Paul when he says all of the promises that are in Christ Jesus are yes, and the amen is spoken by us, the so be it. It's just an agreement. It's a, so it's not like the closing of our prayer. It's just like so be it. Let it be done. Um, or when other people are praying, we agree with them. Amen. Yes, let that be. That's the kind of word that that is. And we, we, if you grew up in church or you've heard the, the Lord's Prayer, or maybe you've had a chance to recite it, maybe you've recited it, um, there, there's so much in this prayer. And all I want to do over the next several weeks is kind of unpack what this prayer has or what it means. I don't think Jesus gave them this prayer um, as just something they should recite or repeat. I think it was a model prayer. I think there were like there are things here that he's trying to highlight that should be included in their prayer. It's actually very close to one of the prayers that the Jews would have recited on a regular basis. It's very similar to that prayer that the disciples would have been familiar with. There's just a few differences. And before we unpack it, um, I want to talk just a little bit again about what is prayer. And I shared a little bit last week, I gave four things about prayer, and I, I wonder sometimes if we misunderstand what prayer is. And I believe that the Christian life is really just one great giant exercise of prayer. I mean, the Apostle Paul, when he says pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, I really think that's the essence of prayer. It's this continual communication and dialogue with God. And for, for far too many um, Americans, American Christians even, prayer became, becomes nothing more than a laundry list. We bring our needs to God and we just ask Him to do stuff. And some of it is even, you know, bad attitudes in our lives that we recognize. And we're like, oh God, i got to confess this bad attitude and I need you to change it. And it's like, sometimes I imagine God in heaven just so frustrated <laughs> with the fact that all we want to do is talk bad about ourselves and complain about our lives and our situation. And it's like he, he gave us prayer as a dialogue. I mean, Jesus died on the cross <laughs> to bring heaven to earth, and prayer is really about getting our marching orders, not just about getting God to do stuff. God already did it. And prayer is really not just this, you know, here, God, I need you to do some things. 
kind of throwing them up and hoping that he doils it out well. And I know he's collecting our prayers in a bowl and he's going to put them out on the earth. Um, but prayer is, if you think about Abraham and you think about Moses and almost that oriental trading, um, not the company, but like the oriental bazaar where you're, 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 you're bartering with someone to try to get the price lower, and that's what they're doing with God. They're like, God, no, you don't destroy for like 45 righteous or for 40 righteous or for 30 righteous. And uh, they're going back and forth. And this is the type of dialogue, this is the type of authority that's been given to us in Christ Jesus to live out here in the earth. So prayer is more participatory than it is consuming. It's not about just... Um, receiving, and it's even hard to just put it in a vernacular that we can understand. It's almost really something that you just have to do. I mean, we can hear about it, we can talk about it, but you really just have to start practicing it regularly, all the time. And that's how we grow in prayer. And we don't just do it by ourselves, we do it with other people because we need other people to help us to learn and to grow in prayer. So I see prayer as an invitation into God's story of redemption. For many of us who were raised in church, we read the Bible, or we were taught to read the Bible, as if the Bible was written to us. You know, hey, this is God's love letter to you. And I don't believe the Bible was written to us. I believe the Bible was written for us, but I believe it was written to another group of people. And that's important. It's not just semantics and words. Because if I don't understand the, the people who the Bible was written to, I won't know how to use the Bible in my life and what it is for. So we take Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And we have been taught that it's a scientific textbook. It's to, it shows us how creation comes together. And it's proof that God exists. And I don't think Genesis 1 and 2 was written to prove that God exists. I think Genesis 1 and 2 was written assuming God exists. It was written to the people of God. And it was written to, to, sh to show them the character and the nature of this creative God and what he put together. I mean, it, we, we don't even know what to do with the fact that the, the days are kind of out of order, if you think of it scientifically. Like, certain things were created, and they need, like, something that was created later. And so how could that have been created and exist? And it's not a scientific textbook. And as Americans, we get so trapped sometimes in the details, that we, we miss the things. This is what Jesus complained to the Pharisees and said, you know, you guys, you, you, you focus in, you hone in on the details, and yet you swallow a camel. I mean, you're straining out gnats and swallowing camels. And we get hung up on these things that, that we're really not even supposed to get hung up in. Not only does the Genesis 1 and 2 teach us the character of God, it shows us why we're here. It shows us that God gave us a calling as human beings. He gave us dominion over the earth. He said, represent me. Be my representatives on the earth and exercise dominion. Everywhere you go, spread my kingdom. That's Eden. That's what the Garden of Eden was all about. And too many of us, Really, we hone in on these details and we defend the creation story and we're, you know, we're, we're talking to atheists about creation and we're defending it. And many of us are living more like Adam and Eve than we are Jesus. 
because we don't understand why the Bible was given to us. What do I mean by that? Um, Adam and Eve defined right and wrong for themselves. So they come to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you're an Easterner, which all of the people the Bible was written to were Easterners, the knowledge of good and evil is not about intellect. For us, knowledge is about intellect. I, I got to know stuff. I got to have the details. I got to have the facts. I got to have like the information. That's knowledge. Adam and Eve had that. They knew good and evil. Okay, they had intellectual understanding. God said, don't do this, that good, evil. They had the intellect. For, for an Easterner, knowledge is about experience. It's experiential. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to experience means to redefine. So it's not that I, I don't know what good or evil is, and so once I eat the tree, I'm going to know intellectually what good or evil is. It's I'm going to experience what good and evil is. And they did. They experienced separation from God. They experienced evil. Why? Because they redefined what was good and evil. They did what was right in their own eyes. And far too many believers will defend the creation story from a scientific viewpoint, but they are redefining right and wrong in other ways. The question of, are we loving our neighbor like we love ourselves? Are we forgiving others the way we've been called to forgive? Are we serving the way we've been called to serve? Are we giving generously? And what we don't understand is that the tree of knowledge and good and evil is about choosing God's way versus our way. And we can say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, I choose your way, and not really be choosing his way on a regular daily basis. And the human mind, and we have the same enemy, the serpent, who deceived Adam and Eve and said, hey, this is good, this is good fruit, you can eat this. God is withholding something from you. And they chose to do what was right in their own eyes. And a lot of Christians today, that's what we're choosing. We're choosing to do what's right in our own eyes, claiming to be Bible-believing Christians. Prayer is about your kingdom come and your will be done. It's a declaration. It's not just saying, oh God, act in a way that your kingdom shows up on earth. <laughs> no. It's God, I want to choose your kingdom. I want to choose your way. And Holy Spirit, I need you to help me choose all of your way, to do all of it. And if you unpack the rest of the Lord's Prayer and it's asking for guidance and provision and forgiveness for myself and the grace to forgive others the way I've been forgiven. It's about coming into the kingdom and living that out on a regular basis. Because I believe the story of the Bible is about restoring Eden restoring the dominion to the, the, the people of earth. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, and I give it to you. Go and make disciples. Go and release the kingdom. Go and live it. Bring people into the kingdom. Everywhere you go, expand my rule and reign. Here, here's the thing. It's done. When Jesus said, it is accomplished, he meant it. <laughs> it's done. And it's ours. We are called to live it out. But if we're not in regular communion with our Father, we're not going to live it out. 
I mean, we're going to cherry pick some scripture verses and we're going to live some of it out, but we're not going to live the kingdom rule and reign. Jesus restored Eden, the possibility of Eden to us. Now I know Revelation 21, 22, heaven's going to come to earth. It's going to be here. We're going to live here. And even if your theology, um, all of our theology as evangelical Christians, for the most part, believe at least in the millennial reign of Jesus. Do you know what that is? That means Jesus one day is going to have a physical 1,000-year reign on this planet. This one. I believe he's going to make a new heaven and new earth. I believe it's going to be a renewed. I don't believe this one's going to blow up. I believe he's going to restore it. He's going to make it new. Okay? I don't think he's starting over. I think he's restoring I think that's what the Bible teaches us. But even if you don't believe that, if you believe this one's going to blow up, he's going to make a brand new one, you at least believe there's a thousand-year reign. Jesus is going to come to this planet, and he's going to reign. Let's live like it. But for, for far too many of us, we live waiting to escape earth, not bring heaven to earth. We get caught up in the details. In the book of Colossians, chapter 1, Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's done. That's present tense. I know that every day of your life you don't feel like that. And I know that every day of your life all the details don't line up and the stars don't align perfectly and all of the things you ask for don't get done. But this is what's true. It's true when I feel it, and it's true when I don't feel it. It's true when I worship with other believers, and it's true when I'm all by myself. It's true. In Hebrews chapter 4, we're told that we can approach the throne of God with confidence because of what Jesus has done. And then in chapter 10, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us, through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. That's prayer. We have to get out of our mindset that we're, Jesus died so that we can go to heaven when we die. Jesus died so Eden could be restored, so heaven could come to earth and it would be in you. You are the temple of the Spirit of God. He lives in you. We are pockets of the Holy Spirit. We are temples. We are where God dwells and everywhere we go. Every place in this community that has a believer working in it has Eden in it. And people could eat from the tree of life by talking to us. Do you believe me? I mean, okay, I, the lights sometimes blind me, and so I'm just making sure you're, you're believing me. And so, because this is so true, and I know, and can I just be honest with you? I don't believe it all the time either. I didn't even believe it this morning. In fact, I don't even know emotionally if I believe it yet. I'm trying to preach myself happy. Because this is what's true. But here's the thing, we get lost in the details. I, I read the book of Zechariah this week. There's so much in the prophets. Man, I'm just loving the prophets. I don't know why, because I don't really love them. But um, in Zechariah, Zechariah is prophesying to the people about the kingdom of God coming. And the people are like, well, 
you know, is God going to come soon? Is God's kingdom going to come soon? And he flips it on them. And he's like, are you going to be the type of people that, that usher in the kingdom? That's the question. It's not about whether or not the kingdom is going to come soon. It's about whether or not you're going to follow the kingdom way and usher it in. That's always been the way. I mean, God always wanted his people to usher in his kingdom, his rule and reign on the earth. And he's established it now through Jesus. I mean, if you think about Jesus, when he rose from the dead in Acts chapter 1, him and his disciples are sitting around and they're talking after he's risen from the dead. And they say, look at this, what they ask him. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus is like, guys, it's not about the details. I mean, so many of us are trying to interpret the signs. I, is, is, when is Jesus coming back? When is Jesus coming back? I don't know when Jesus is coming back. But if you just live kingdom every single day, I guarantee you when he comes, you'll be ready. If you bring heaven to earth everywhere you go and you live under the rule and reign of Jesus in your life all the time and you get other people to do that too, that's called making disciples. They will be ready when Jesus comes. It's not about the details. We were not given the end time things we were given in the scripture so we could figure out the details. It was to assure us that no matter what happens, he's in control. He's sovereign. And there will come a day when he steps on this earth again and every eye will see him and he brings heaven to earth. Finally, it will happen. So don't get hung up in the details. And that's what Jesus says in verse 7. It's not for you to know the details. But this is what you should know. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses. Witnesses isn't just about telling people, it's about demonstrating. You are going to be living witnesses, living demonstrations of my supernatural power and my practical power. You are going to love your enemies. Praise the Lord. You are going to usher in the kingdom. Every time you love your enemy, you are establishing the kingdom of God. We're doing it. And this is why we have to pray. I'm, I don't want to get the cart before the horse. We have to start somewhere else. Okay, put the cart before the horse. So let's get the horse back in front. The only phrase I want to fix, fixate on over the next few minutes is this first phrase. Because we'll get into all that stuff at a later time. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Please don't forget that's how the prayer starts. That's super important. And there are four key words in this phrase that I want you to stop and think about. The first one is Father. Father. We have been given the greatest invitation of all times. We have been invited to call the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the universe, Dad. That should never get old. And if the only prayer you pray all week long is just, Dad, that's enough. Sometimes I think that's all we need to pray. I mean, if your heart is heavy, you don't need to tell 10 other people about it. You just need, you need Dad. Jesus came to show us the Father. 
And he came to restore us to the Father. He told his disciples, you've asked me for stuff when I was here, but you're not going to ask me anymore. You're going to go to the Father in my name. You have the privilege of at any moment of your day, you don't have to bow your head, you don't have to close your eyes, you don't have to put music on, you just have to say, Dad. And he's there. Thousands of generations before us longed for this moment. And we have it. And so, don't feel guilty. Oh, I don't pray enough. Just, Dad. Oh, you can't stay there. Yeah, you've got to grow in prayer. But you just, Dad. He is such a good father. The rest of the teaching in Luke 11 that Jesus gives to his disciples it, is to, to exemplify the fact that he knows how to give good gifts to his kids. From the very beginning, this is what God wanted to say about himself. And in, in Exodus chapter 34, Moses is on the mountain and he wants to see the glory of God. And the glory of God passes in front of him. And this is what the Lord says as he passes in front of Moses. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. And I know it goes on and it talks about not leaving the guilty unpunished. But church, get this through your head. You have a dad that is not standing in heaven waiting for you to finally admit your mistakes. You have a father like the prodigal son just longing for you to even turn towards him and he is going to come running. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. He is looking for any opportunity to just invade your life and to bring in peace and joy and hope. You just have to call on his name. Just say, Dad. Unfortunately, the bottom line is, many of us, we don't want this. We want God to, to act. We want God to like overthrow our enemies. We want God to give us stuff. And he's like, no, I am the stuff. I mean, I'm the provider. Because no amount of God answering your prayers will ever be enough. Can I just say that? I mean, if he did, if there was, if I could just say, okay, what, what is one thing, if you could pick one thing today, no matter how crazy or outrageous, and God would just do it like, boom, right there, boom, what would it be? That would wear off soon. I mean, this is why Jesus said, even if someone raises from the dead, that won't be enough to settle it in people's hearts. That will wear off. You have to understand, we were meant to come into intimate connection with our Father. And to, to know that he is good, even when everything doesn't seem good, he is good. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's it. He's good. Christ died for me. He's good. Man, I had a bad day today, but God is good because he died for me. He's with me. I feel so alone today. <laughs> I'm not alone today because God is good and he never abandons. <laughs> Dad. 
the trustworthiness of God is anchored in the cross and not my circumstance. And I could, I could tell you all about this father. Jesus in John 17 verse 3 said this, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And I could tell you about this God who is love, and this God who is good, and this God who is faithful, and this God who is just, this God who is peace. I could tell you all his character, but that would be intellectual. And when Jesus said that they know you, he's not talking about intellect. And I get it. Sometimes we have to tell our emotion, take captive bad emotions, tell it the truth. But he was meant to be experienced encountered and I my hope is this week that you just say dad over and over (laughs) until you encounter him because some of us think we need something worked out in our lives (laughs) and that's not what we need we need an assurance of a dad who's with us and working for us and is good that's what we need and that's why Jesus ends that teaching in Luke 11 with how much more will the Holy Spirit, God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. He's empowering you even when you're not aware of it. Dad. That's the word Father. The second word is hallowed. Don't worry. I know what time it is. These next three words won't take as long. <laughs> the word hallowed reminds us that God is so He's so big. (laughs) He is incomprehensible. He is unmatched. He is unequaled. He is just totally set apart. We have hijacked the word holy in our day and age and made it such a dirty word. Because when people think of holy, they think of like legalistic rules and things. And that's not what holy is. Holy just means there's no one like him. He's totally set apart. He is so good, and he is so righteous, and he is so pure, and he's so big. There's nothing that even touches him. So he's father, and he's huge. He's huge. This week at at prayer, someone sent me a text and asked, has God ever asked you, how big do you think I am? (laughs) That happened to me last night at prayer. So I started doing some comparisons and answering God, and every comparison I made, he said, no, I'm bigger than that. He said, I went as far as the grains of the sand filling up the sun and an ant fighting Superman, and then I just stopped and realized he's bigger and more powerful than I can wrap my head around. And I can tell you that, and it's not going to mean a whole lot. <laughs> he need, you need to know it. You need to know it. Is his arm too short? Like, what are you facing right now? (laughs) He's so much bigger. He's huge. He's huge. Read Job chapters 38 through 41. (laughs) When God finally responds to Job and just continues to ask him question after question after question, um, just to overwhelm Job, that's the point. Job, I'm bigger than you can even imagine. And Job's like, I said too much. And sometime this week, 
you just need to be by yourself somewhere and just get totally overwhelmed by who he is. Because right now, you're so overwhelmed by everything going on in your life. And what you need is to be overwhelmed by who God is. So you can face what's going on in your life. Isaiah chapter 40. Who's measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. Or with the breadth of his hand has marked off the heavens. Who's held the dust of the earth in a basket. Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in the balance. Be overwhelmed by his greatness. Father, hallowed heaven. Heaven. And I talked about this already. Heaven is not the place where we go when we die. It's the place where God dwells. Heaven. And heaven is when God breaks into our reality. Heaven lives on the inside of me. And it lives on the inside of you. Remember that. Don't, don't let yourself slip into this mode where you're just longing to get out. Longing to get out. That's, that is selfish. That is earthly. That's demonic. Longing to get out. Longing to get out. I just want to get out. No. I want you in. I'll take the wilderness with you over the promised land with an angel. That was Moses, remember? And we have thousands of Christians today just, oh, Jesus, please come back. Jesus, please come back. No, Jesus, invade my life better, bigger, more. Invade my life. Help me to love my enemies. There's too many lost. I want, I want heaven to invade my workplace. I want to be peace. And I love Christina's prayer today. <laughs> that is our prayer. Invade it. I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't long for heaven. But we should long for it here. Invade my life. Come now. And we'll talk about that more and more as we get into let your kingdom come and your will be done. And the last word, our. We skip over that word a lot. If you've come to our church for any length of time, you've heard me talk about how important pronouns are in the scripture. And I wish someday someone will translate a Bible so we can tell the difference between the plural pronouns and the singular ones. You. Because. We tend to make the Bible personal and the Bible's corporate. This is about God's plan for. Mankind, not just me personally. Now, I have a part in that, but our is important because in order for me to know God fully, I need you. Because I get locked into a vision I have of God and who God is, and it's limited. And the reason God made us our is because we need one another in order to experience God fully. I need to hear you pray. Because it unlocks something that I would never pray or see about God. In fact, when I got that text message about prayer, and we went back and forth for a while, and it just seems so weird. I'm like, I love that God speaks all of our languages. I mean, God shows me Spider-Man and a blob. And for, 
at the night at prayer, unfortunately, no one else in the room like had ever seen Spider-Man. And so it was like me trying to explain it, but it was like lost in translation. And so we need one another to fully understand who God is. And that's why it's our Father, our daily bread. Forgive us. This is all plural. And the American church is trying to make Christianity all about me. It's really about us. And that's why corporate prayer times are important, because we need each other. We need to pray together. In Jesus' last prayer, in John chapter 17, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for all who will believe in me through their message, that they all may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. We complain a lot about how terrible the world is right now. And I wonder how much we've prayed together and become one so that the world would see. I mean, we've bought into the idea that it's supposed to be this way. It's supposed to get worse before Jesus comes. It's supposed to. What if we just became the people that ushered in the kingdom? And if it happened everywhere else, it wouldn't happen on our watch in our city. Anybody with me? I'm going. I mean, I don't care if the rest of this country, well, I do. I love this country. But I don't care. I want what happens in my city to be heaven on earth. I want people to, I don't even want people to come here from all over the world. (laughs) But you understand what I'm saying? I want such a difference in our community where we're not looking to get out. I mean, that's what the world, I mean, oh, if I could just move to a different community, if I could just get a different job, if I could just get a different spouse, if I could just get out, get out, get out. No, if you could just get dad to invade your life, man, it could make a difference. And I'm not sitting here today, someone that's not as guilty as the rest of us. I just don't want to be an escapist anymore. I want to be a rescue. And so in Matthew chapter 11, this is, we had this scripture verse last month, but Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The idea of yoke for the Jews in this day would have been the teaching of the rabbi. Take my yoke, take my teaching upon you, and live it out like come underneath me that's what jesus is inviting us to do come to me take this yoke upon you as i was preparing for the sermon today i don't know if it was the lord or just my own brain um, but i get a sense that there's a lot of weary people Um, not just in our church just in our world there there's just there are people that I mean, you're, we're fighting things on so many different levels. There's stuff in our physical health that's bad. There's relation problems. There's family problems. Our kids are doing things they shouldn't do. I mean, there's just there's pressure. And I felt like the, the answer was pray. <laughs> but I don't know if you've ever just been tired and needed good advice or you just needed someone to listen and the answer was like prayer. And that actually felt harder. You know what I mean? Like, you're, I'm so weary. 
and now you want me to pray, and I know I should pray, and I don't pray more. But we don't understand prayer. Because if prayer becomes a, more of a burden, then we don't understand it. And for some of us, we need to start over. And we need to wipe everything off of the prayer like blackboard of our mind. And just start fresh this week. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that's it. That's it. That's it. This week just gets so overwhelmed by dad, his bigness, that he is bringing heaven to your life and that he's given you a body. And I know the body is imperfect and there are a lot of people in the the church world today that are isolating themselves from the body because they don't want to be hurt anymore. But Jesus started the prayer with the word our. That's some pretty important stuff. And so this week, I just want us to pray. I want us to get a glimpse of our Father and what it is, what a privilege it is to be able to call the creator of the world, the universe, Dad. I want us to get a picture of how big and awesome and holy that He is. I want us to get secure in the fact that heaven is coming to earth and we can be a part of ushering it in. And I want us to pray with other people. I would encourage you every day this week, pray with another human being. Pray with another human being. Whether it's over the phone, in person, doesn't matter. It could be FaceTime, Zoom. But pray with someone. You pray for me, I'll pray for you. Let's just pray together. It could be two minutes. But let's get better at praying together. Whenever you find yourself this week uttering the phrase, hey, I'll pray for you, stop and say, can I pray for you? Just pray over them. And that's all I want us to do this week. I want us to connect in that way with our Father. And so, Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you that we have the privilege today because of what Christ has done for us to call the creator of the universe Dad. Jesus, thank you for willingly coming to this earth to give your life for us so that by putting confidence in what you've done we can have access to the throne of God forgive us for for that not being enough forgive us for thinking that we need something else in addition to that to be at peace or to have hope or to be happy and I just I ask today for this week ahead, for every member of this body, for every person in this room, every person watching online, every person, every believer in our community to just become so overwhelmed with how great you are and what a privilege it is to call you dad. Renew that in every believer's heart in the city limits of Huron. And don't just limit it to here. God, all across this world, 
I just ask that believers this week would just be so overwhelmed by your goodness, your power, your greatness, your love, and that our identity as your sons and daughters would be so rooted in us that nothing would shake us. That even in the hardest of circumstances that we would be able to sleep in the boat. (laughs) No sleepless nights. No frustrations and anger outbursts. We're peace. God, give us courage to connect with other members of the body of Christ. Not just even the members of this body, but God, other believers that we work with. This week, help us to to step out of our comfort zones and to pray with others so that we can get a fuller picture of who you are and so that we can put you on display for a world that's watching so that you can unite us together as a body in this community so that those that don't know you will know that Jesus came from the Father because of our oneness. And so, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray this week. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us online today. Thank you for joining us here in this room. Before you leave today, I want to encourage you again, stop by the table in the back. If you need more information or if you're not on our mailing list or need information about Church Center, uh, please talk to one of our hosts or see me out in that lobby today. And uh, offering baskets are, are there as well. God bless you as you go today. streets to open plains we are under one name no one is lost